episode 12 of the MetroFan TV Weekly Rundown, coming to you live from the usual locations. Lens and Fernando here to bring you everything in Red, the world of Red Bull soccer after a very convincing 1-0 win against the Philadelphia Union. How are you doing today, Fernando? I'm actually doing pretty good. Um, I didn't go to work today, so by default, that's a great time. Um, I'm very excited for the game, and yeah, I just, I don't know, I feel good. That's some pretty solid praxis, my friend. And also introducing this week's <laughs> fan of the week, uh, coming to us from Rutgers University, is Alex Lishek. How are you doing today, Alex? I'm not too bad. How are you guys doing? Can't wait for Sunday. It's like 8, 8.30 in the morning here, and um, I'm on like five hours of sleep, but we'll, be, we'll, we'll, we'll pull through. <laughs> <laughs> I drank coffee, actually, so I'm kind of good to go. I'm pretty happy about that. That's so, a good thing for coffee, huh? Yeah, I mean, like, dude, I mean, like, when, when you're waking up in the morning to do these kind of things, you kind of need to get, like, a quick jolt. Otherwise, like, I'm pretty sure that, like, I'd probably put all our viewers to sleep, but, like, sounding like a fucking zombie. <laughs> so, you make do, you I, know? I mean, I haven't noticed in the previous podcast, so you must have been doing a good job. <laughs> um, yeah, you'll be surprised at how well I can operate, actually, under barely any hours of sleep like i take the uh, dc trip actually on about two hours which is pretty insane yeah yeah I, I, I don't know how that happened especially with how hot it got at audi field and it felt like passing out like after the uh <laughs> the minute of how fucking hot it got i was like and i was wearing like i think i was wearing like a 97 metro stars kit as well oh anyone my god who has those yeah they'll tell you it's like fucking chain mail in the it, way that it kind of traps all the heat it's essentially a tarp. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it actually is. With all the, uh, let me tell you, it used to be my only like jersey that I would wear um, on game day, and basically, like through the summer months, I think I lost maybe about fifteen pounds in like three weeks <laughs> just in water weight alone. But how much I'd be sweating. But uh, of course, now uh, we do have, speaking of weather, you know, it was a cold one down in Philadelphia, uh, kind of a really tough game to watch as well, I'm not going to lie. Um, I didn't watch this one live because it came on at like three o'clock in the morning and there was absolutely no way that I'd be able to like kind of get up to uh, watch that in time. But um, I somehow managed to hunt down a replay and I mean, I got to say, you know, it's a convincing, solid 1-0 win, kind of very, it was a pretty ugly one, but, you know, we've kind of been accustomed to under Chris Armas, you know, you're going to take a, you're going to take a very well-worked 1-0 win away from home against a resurgent team in the East any day of the week, right? And we were talking, I think, last week about how this is sort of going to be a litmus test for a potential playoff opponent. And, you know, for the most part, I like to think that they kind of went out and they did the job. So, um, I don't know, like, this is, did this win kind of boost uh, you guys' uh, impressions of the team going to the playoffs? Like, I'm sure that, like, this was the last game, I guess, of sorts in the calendar that we kind of had circled, especially with how good Philadelphia were playing coming into the game. I mean, for me, going to the playoffs and any win is, I think, a good win, you know, um, especially in that kind of, 
I don't want to say really hostile crowd, but um, not, not the greatest of circumstances. I mean, to be fair, Philly played well in the first half. Like, they did. You know, they dominated the ball, although I don't really – Unless I'm wrong, I don't remember them having any really clear chances where I was thinking like, "Oh, holy shit!" Like, thank, like, thank God for Robles. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. If anything, I thought we had the. If anything, I thought we had the best chance of the first half with Kaku off the post. But listen, it's a good win, and I don't see why the boys can't be confident from that. Yeah, I mean, um, even just looking at the charts, actually, like uh, I think we outproduced them. Um, I think in terms of expected goals generated during this game. And then, you know, I think some people will have differing views on what that means, but um, the expected goals generally are a general indicator of chance quality. And, you know, it was pretty clear that in spite of the, um, in spite of everything, like we were mostly limiting Philadelphia to very low quality chances that were kind of more in tune with pot shots from outside the box that were kind of comfortable for Robles in the end. Right. I, th- I don't really remember there being any moment like that we've been accustomed to in the past saying, oh shit, like this is the moment where we concede, you know, I think, especially considering that they came out and they played us as physically as they did, you know, and we generally Mm -hmm. do struggle against teams that come out and play us physically. And I think that was a really big test of this team's steel that they wanted to come out and play bully ball. They wanted to come out and play physical like they did when they came to Red Bull Arena. And we more or less rose to the occasion and just kind of outlasted them. You know, I think like for me, that's definitely something that um, fills me with a bit of confidence because it was, it was, was always going to be like one of the last things about this team that they needed to answer, that they could respond to physically disruptive soccer in the way that they did. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm actually looking at the um at the the stats over here, um, so the expected goal for uh, the Union was point six one on fourteen shots. Only two of them were on were were on goal. Um, in fact, of their fourteen shots, only five were actually inside the box. So a lot of it was a kind of game where you know. Yeah, they played well, but I think I think this I think that game showed ju- really just how good our back line is, even with with the drop and having and having late in there. Because when when you're when when a team has fourteen shots and nine of them are outside the box, they're desperate. So yeah, they they got a lot of good things done that game, especially in the midfield and and, and controlling the ball and and they 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 did play well, especially in the first half. But once you get to that final third and, and basically all you have left to do is just shoot from outside the box and kind of just keep your fingers crossed, to me that shows how desperate they got. On the flip side for us, we only had eight shots. Four of them were on target, and all and seven of those eight were inside the box. So we did a good job, I think, of penetrating, uh, really doing a good job of, of you know penetrating their, their uh, back line and, and, and trying to get things done. Um, inside the box in the most dangerous area, which is why our expected goal was actually 1.58. You know, it's weird because, you know, I was definitely a bit worried going into this game, but I have to say, I actually feel better about going up against this team in the playoffs, if we do, than I did before the game. Simply because Philly did well 
but they struggled to score against a team that let's keep it real. We had a lot of very poor individual performances in that game. Like it wasn't even like they were just playing better as much as just like Adams was off for large portions of the game. Bradley was barely pushing forward for various reasons. Like, I mean, you can kind of go down the list of almost everyone that game. And I'd say the majority of them did not have a good individual game. And on top of that, we didn't have Kamar. We had laid. And on top of that, they were explicitly targeting hard on laid and you couldn't get one goal. Not one, like not even like a really good chance. So me personally, our full squad, our best 11 in the playoffs in Philly, where we're going to be on a different level. And I'm confident that we're going to have a lot more guys just on. I feel confident. You take that now and you go into a home leg. I don't know, man. I, I, I don't want to jinx it or anything like that. I think that, that jinx is bullshit anyway, but I don't, I don't want to be overconfident, but that game, I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm one of the few people who feel this way, but I actually feel more confident after that game than I did before. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to dispute in my opinion, considering um, we kind of knew the book in Philadelphia going into this game, you know, like we did point out that they were more of a defensively um, apt side right? Like they're going to be a bit more of a tough nut to crack than a team that could actually come out and like hurt us maybe on offense. Like we talked last week that it was basically going to come down to how well, you know, we had the edge and attack. It was going to be a deal of defenses in a way, basically. And it just so happened that they blinked first because they gave up a penalty off of a corner, you know? And you do have to give, I think, a lot of credit for their defense. Uh, I think that's probably going to be the thing that points out, stands out the most to me. Because, I mean, I believe that this Philadelphia defense actually limited Bradley Wright Phillips to zero shots. Which is the first time that this has happened since, I think, tw- 2016. Something like yeah. that. Something crazy yeah. like that. I mean, yeah. I mean, this is kind of kind of speaks to... Uh, you know, I think how good, especially when you throw in the factors of how defensive, how physically disruptive they are, that this was going to be one of the sternest defensive tests going into our playoff run. And I think, you know, maybe it wasn't a game past the flying colors per se, but they definitely passed the tests. And I think a lot of that has to come down to the fact that, you know, I think I'm going to give a really big shout out to Alex Muel once again stepping in on that left F side and just, you know, I mean, looking like he's given, get, like giving a lot of balance to this attack, you know, like I think we've really lacked um, wing play that added this semblance of balance to the squad. I mean, like if you, if you look at um, Royer, he kind of doesn't really contribute much outside of the goals that he puts in the back of the net. He's kind of more like the guy who runs onto the end to put the ball into the net as opposed to like contributing to the buildup and defensive play in the way that Alex did. And on the right, I mean, like at this point, I think it's pretty clear that Rizza probably shouldn't be starting out wide. So I think now what I wanted to center your discussion on is, I think you, if you're managed Chris Armas, you kind of have a bit of a selection headache, don't you? You have a late season breakout from Alex Wheel, but you also want to reward the play of Rizza. And this has come up a number of times in past weeks. Who do you sit in this occasion? Do you write the hot hand or 
do you go with or do you reward players for seizing opportunities earlier in the season? Uh, I mean, for me, as good as like, I mean, we've seen it plenty of times how good a player Jatkowski can be. Um, but I, I, I think you have to go with Muyo. I, I, I think he just seems to be more of the closest fit to, uh, to Velo. And I think we just feel, we just feel like a completely different team when we play what, who's a natural, more center midfielder out wide compared to playing not even just a wheel, like Etienne or wheel. When we play them out wide, it just feels like a more complete team in a way. If you got, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just, it, it, it seems to have not necessarily better structure, but I feel like we have better ideas because, you know, Zhatkowski always wants to come inside onto his left, but wheel has no problem just going on the outside, going in down to the byline and putting one in. So, yeah, I, I certainly yeah. think that the difference here is like the intelligence he displays in his off ball movement, right? He kind of understands which ways to move as a wide player in the system, you know? And I think what was impressive is, is that like he timed when he'd be cutting in or when he'd be staying out wide, like perfectly well to kind of always make him an outlet. And that was one, I think, segment that I kind of had a look at and I was kind of annoyed at Kaku instead of Alex Muehl for once for not playing to reverse ball in for him yeah. in that first half. Yeah. You know, I think, yeah. and on top of that, like when Rizzo came out with a bit of a knock in the second half and Derek Etienne came in on that right wing, you know, I think like we said, like, like you said, there was that added balance to this attack where you have the wide players kind of knowing when to maybe pinch in or stay out wide, you know? And yep. I think, one thing that has been kind of understated is the other thing that you said is that like, you know, Rizzis can be a bit too predictable and what he wants to do when he's out in wide positions, because he's always kind of trying to look to occupy those central positions that Kaku generally operates yeah. in. Um, yeah. That that's that I think is my biggest problem with Rizzo being out wide is he's not a winger. He can play there, but he's not a winger. He doesn't have that like mindset of, of, of a winger and like what it, what it takes for how this team plays. I mean, he'll work, he works, he'll get the job done, but it's definitely not his best position at all. And, and like, it, and like it's been mentioned before, there's been too many times where, cause look, Gakwa needs to drift himself. You know, he needs a little bit of, of that, that free roam flexibility to kind of just do his thing. Unfortunately, that means that there's going to be a lot of times. And it has, if you look at the heat, the, the heat maps of a lot of games, where both uh, where Riz is playing uh, on the wing and Gaku is playing in the middle, they're almost stepping on each other's feet. Like it, it's it creates a problem. So for me, I, I think it's an easy decision. I think I may have mentioned it last week that for me, I, I think at this point it's 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 I don't know maybe easy is the wrong uh, the wrong word to use, but I think it's a logical decision to play Wheel, who's playing very good. I think he fits in that in that position a lot better. I think if you factor in uh, Davis and Adams and Kaku, you know, uh, and um, and Royer outside, I just think he fits. I just think Wheel fits in better, and just like you guys mentioned, it's just a, a better overall balance. You throw in Riza in there again, it can work, but he just throws things off too much. It just becomes like almost sloppy. Now, if you slot Riza in the defensive mid position. And you either bench Adams or Davis, and that's a whole different. That's a whole different. That's an entirely different discussion because that is, I think, his best position, playing a little deeper. But obviously, you're not going to bench 
you know, Davis or Adams. So for me, the question is only in that right spot, and and it's got to be Wheel. Yeah. Um, I mean, oops. no, go ahead. I mean, for me, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, I feel like uh, Riz is going to be kind of huge because I mean, I agree with you. I don't like I said before. I think obviously Wheel should be the starter, Royer on the other side, but I think Rizza would be huge in this playoffs off the bench coming in at that kind of like deeper Massive. line midfielder because Massive. like if we're in a you know he showed it against atlanta he has no problem doing the dirty work he'll get into challenges so if we're say up one nil you know in a playoff game at home or on the road doesn't matter to know that we could bring someone like that off the bench for the last kind of 10 15 20 minutes it is it is huge it really is yeah um you know i'm inclined to agree with that because uh if you have rizza and wheel on the pitch at the same time, I mean, that's super weaponized, weapons-grade plutonium-level pressing, right? <laughs> to kind of close out the game. Um, and, you know, I think we also kind of know this about Sean Davis. Like, he kind of does tire out fairly easily. He might not have the uh, engine to go 90 minutes full, full speed ahead, as, uh, you know, I think maybe Adams or Wheel might be able to. And, you know, if you can have Rizzo coming off the bench to spot for Davis in those final maybe 20, um, 25 minutes of the game, you know, I think that's that's great. But another added wrinkle to that is that now you have actual competition for that central role. And this was a kind of a very interesting thing that Armis introduced, I think, in this game is that instead of going to the five in the back formation to close out the game that we might have expected, he kind of threw us a bit of a curveball. And he, that was the introduction of Christian Caceres, actually, in this game to kind of uh, close things out. And what I kind of like about this move specifically is that it kind of maximizes the edge that we have in midfield, right? With our defensive pressure that we have, it maintains our numerical superiority in midfield. And it doesn't change the defensive schematic at the back. And, <laughs> oh, whoa. And as, the hell? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and as we know about the uh, um, and as we know about um, the press, actually, it was a very interesting bit of a statistical work that was released. Um, the press is actually more of the reason for our defensive excellence in preventing opponents from creating quality chances as much as it is. Um, something that we use to create high-quality chances for ourselves. It does result in a higher amount of shots for us, but they're not high-quality shots. Instead, the press's edge is in how much more um, defensively solid it makes us. And I think I kind of do like this idea of bringing an additional midfielder off the bench late in the game to kind of maintain that edge, to maintain that hard, um, hard-pressing in midfield that has made us so good defensively this season. And, you know, having risen Caceres in competition for minutes off the bench in that role, you know, I think it's only going to be good going into the postseason because I think they both bring very different things going, coming in. I, I mean, one thing with Rizzo also you get is you get that little bit kind of extra quality in a way because he, you know, like especially off of set pieces. So, you know, there's always a chance, especially in, you know, latter stages of a playoff game, maybe the back four or five or whatever the opposition's playing, a little bit tired. Maybe there will be, you know, space in behind for someone like Etienne coming off the bench. So there's also kind of that. So, yeah. 
I don't know, Fernando? Yeah, look, having someone like Rosa coming off the bench, I mean, come on. Uh, it, it's it's funny because, you know, the the common the common idea would be, oh, you know, just bring the most lethal forward or or, you know, you could possibly have on a bench or something. But for us, I feel like having such a strong midfielder to come off the bench considering how much of our play revolves around midfield dominance to have someone like Riza come off the bench late in the game in the playoffs especially I mean that maybe that's the secret there maybe having that 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 level of a mid of midfield depth for the playoff is is the way to go as opposed to someone like Verone coming off the bench for example I mean I'm trying to think back now like I can't remember any time pretty much in the Red Bull Arena era where we've had this kind of level of like central midfielder that can come off the bench. Like I can't think of someone. Yeah, you know, it's just, particularly off the bench. Yeah, you know, I think we we talk a lot about bench weapons in the past, I think as a fan base generally and you know, like generally in MLS with the limited roster spots and the salary cap, like quality bench options are going to be pretty hard to come by. You know, and I think I've I've said to people before that what makes our team different isn't roster spots one through three, but roster spots 16 to 25. You know, like our bench has viable weapons coming off of it. And on top of that, our depth guys are actually like proven that they'd be able to give very, very um, good quality, you know, going in. And I'm kind of with you in that one. Like, Besides Verone last year, I can't remember the last time that we've really had this kind of super sub who could come on and maybe close out games and put in really good 15 to 20 minute shifts to kind of help us, you know, either chase a win or try and bag a much needed goal towards the or sorry, no, either chase the win or bag a much needed goal off the bench to try and level things up. I mean, the only person that I could have thought of is Anatola Bong. And, you know, that 15 playoff run wasn't really, like, the 15 playoff run comes to mind when it comes to that. But other than that, like, you know, I don't think we've seen a level of a flexibility of options like we have, uh, I think, going into this uh, playoff run, which makes me very excited to see what they can do. Yeah, I think... um... Yeah, I think this is this is definitely the the I think the team has proved that this is the deepest they've been in in multiple positions. I think where it gets a little sketchy is probably in the fullback spot. But, you know, going into the playoffs, you know, we're going to have quite a few different looks and what you know, to kind of circle back specifically to Riza, what makes him kind of unique is he can play in so many different positions. You know, if if Davis needs to get pulled, okay, we can pull in Riza. If Gaku needs to get pulled, okay, you can put in Riza. He's good in both of those positions at a, at a pretty high level. So we're, I, I definitely feel like we're a lot more suited for a real playoff run than we ever have. And it's more than just the fact that we steamrolled this league. It's just how this team is structured, how, how our best 11 is and our best 18 and really just everything beyond that. This is such just, it's a good team, you know, to, to have a discussion of, 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 okay, should should the guy making a million dollars who came from Salzburg should he be starting or should he be on the bench? Because our our locally grown prospect is it, you know might be a better option. Like there's not that many teams that can present those kind of questions. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, how I mean, how many teams do you think in this league right now, whether they made the playoffs or not, would actually love someone like Rizza in their team? Yeah, I mean, oh, Rizza's the starter for ninety-eight percent of the league, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, you know, I think like I mean, it's pretty crazy that you can actually start talking about. I mean, in my opinion, he has shown that he's one of the most technically astute players to kind of come in to our ranks in a while, right? Like he's got a great first touch. Yeah. His vision and passing are excellent. You know, like this would be a guy who would be an excellent, like deep lying playmaker for most teams in the league. You know, the way that he manages to pick out guys yep. with his passing range and his vision from deep. Um, that it's kind of crazy that he and his uh, TAM level salary is actually coming off the bench. And we do have the option of buying him in the off season, which would be kind of interesting to see if that gets exercised or not. Again, it would be interesting to see that if we do exercise him, if he decides to take a pay cut to come play with us. Because if he does, and we manage to knock that salary down like a bit more below the cap, I mean, that's such an incredible weapon to have, like coming at to your team. You know, like that guy who can kind of either spot start or come off the bench and play 20, 25 quality minutes a game and basically keep the engine running like nothing's nothing was missing you know i think that that's such valuable yeah. commodities and all that's that's that gets kind I of overlooked i i i think what makes what makes this team kind of unique too is like the whole idea of like the the player salaries is is kind of it's almost a wash i mean it's i guess it's kind of interesting to, to kind of see it to see where players are at but like i mean if they want to give risen if they want to flat out buy him and transfer him over here and give him the exact same amount of money, I think that's still totally okay. Just because we have so much TAM available and just the way this roster is like kind of constructed and, and how smart this team is with with kind of navigating through the various rules, I, I it, it almost doesn't even matter what he makes. You know, I'm, I'm you probably – you can use TAM for up to a $1.5 million. So – you know, it doesn't matter whether they're at five hundred and twelve thousand or you know one point five million. It's going to hit the cap the same. You know that 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 full five hundred and whatever thousand, and they would just have to use whatever tam above that. But hey, if they want to, if they, I, I'm, I'm a little concerned only because of his calf. I hope this doesn't become like an ongoing thing because this is like what the third fourth time you've had this problem uh, this year yeah. now, but. This is definitely someone who I think, even though maybe he's a little above that the age curve, than maybe the team would normally go. If this is someone who you know who can stick around, even give us another good solid year to kind of give. Because look, remember we're probably gonna lose Adams next year, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Christian's guy gonna probably get called up, and and he's probably probably gonna end up being the guy replacing Adams. So maybe it'll be good to kind of have him linger around for another year, just as like that good, solid, quality veteran presence, but who can also give us a good, you know, twenty games a season, twenty five games next year across all competitions. Yeah, you know? no, I, I, I don't think I can really uh, disagree too much with that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think that kind of th- th- there wasn't really much else to really say about this Philadelphia game, right? Like going down a fucking. Tailwind Energy Stadium is always such a goddamn chore because, like, this team just likes to play us like a bunch of assholes, like, getting lippy with the ref <laughs> and, like, fucking was... play, acting like this is West Side Story, getting up into referee's face. 
and like acting all tough and stuff. And then after they take a one nil loss, they complain about how the pitch was awful and how we were the ones playing oh, like that was jerks. Such like, yeah, the pitch didn't look that bad though. <laughs> yeah, it did. It didn't look uh, that bad. It really... oh, okay, maybe it was actually because maybe wait, it could have been the shade. That's why we didn't see it well because that shade was awful. Yeah, oh, like, yeah, yeah, that was such. What I, that's a really that was what I fundamentally don't understand is how you can be someone like Alejandro Bedoya and spend so much time talking shit online and be as soft as you are in real life. <laughs> like it, 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 it's kind of ridiculous to me. Like. Like this Philly team are just a bunch of bitches. Like I don't give a shit anymore. Like I'm, I'm, I'm done being nice in this podcast to other teams. Like honestly, like <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what. If there's if there's so, oh sorry um, no you're good. Um, all right. If there's one thing I think I learned in this game to beat Philly, you have to win the midfield yeah. though, because the way like Dutch Kyle and Medunin, uh, the way they can kind of come off create space. It that does concern me. I mean, I I watched Dutchkov play for the Czech Republic when they played against Ukraine. I mean, it was a little bit obviously different circumstances, but kind of same way. He's always going to drop off and try to find these pockets. That's my biggest concern about if we play Philly again. But if we play them in the playoffs, I'm happy that we played them so late in the season because now we kind of can go going to the playoffs knowing how yeah. they're going to play especially since they've been on this run recently specifically like they haven't beaten this this season um in regular season play and the only time that they managed to squeeze one out was yeah. when we played that you know i mean it was a bizarre jesse marsh special right in the u.s open cup uh. <laughs> it was the jesse marsh old-fashioned the Classic Marsh. The classic Jesse big game lineup, yes. Um, Needless to say, I think you do bring up an interesting point, actually. I I hate myself. I hate myself for how angry I get every single time. You know, we don't have to talk about about this game if you don't want to. (laughs) Because I was going to bring up a point about how we're, as a, you know, like, again, as a team, like, our defense is better when we're not playing reactive. Because our weakness is definitely when we sit back and kind of let teams come at us. Because we are a team that's kind of built to, with the press kind of acting as a counterbalance to the fact that we're not very adept at absorbing pressure as a team. And it's kind of shown a bit in the stats, I think, this this season. When they manage to bypass the press and we have and force us, I think, to sit back a bit more, like... We do tend to give up higher quality chances to our opposition when that's going on. So I think it is a really good point to consider that, you know, we can't really sit back and allow opposition playmakers like as much space as we might have afforded, you know, Boric Dorchal in this game. Just that they didn't really take advantage of it. Yeah, look, I don't want to discredit them, you know, where my my comment before, I don't want to make it seem like they're not a good team. They're definitely a good team. but I don't, I don't think that they're as threatening as, I don't think they're as threatening as maybe some people have thought. I think maybe just because they've gotten better, maybe they're kind of catching teams a little bit more, uh, a little more off guard. Like, you know, before, how did you, how did you practice? How did you train and practice for Philly? All they would do is go around and you know fucking be a bunch of physical dicks. You know, there was really not much of a of a game plan that they would really do. It was nothing complicating that they were trying to achieve. 
now that there's actually like some kind of you know tactical acumen there's like okay you actually have to scout them and you know see things that they're doing and work around that so i i don't know i'm not they have a good midfield i think they're a good team but i still think they're definitely um they're definitely missing some pieces to kind of link some of the stuff together like i mentioned before they they in that first half they dominated the midfield like that was the worst yep. that was one of the worst midfield games I've seen one of the worst plays from our midfield that I've seen in a long time, like performance wise, individually, collectively, it was, it was like, it was kind of concerning, but the fact that they still couldn't find a way to string that together into the final third and make like good shots. And instead it was just like, okay, I'm, you know, fucking a thousand feet away. Let me kick the ball and see what the fuck happens. That just shows that like, they're just missing that final piece. And I don't think they have the players where it's something where it'll just click. You know, it's not like they have these, like, super, super, super good, you know, uh, forwards up top or a striker up top where they can, where you can kind of, you're almost expecting that piece to kind of evolve. I don't see it. I think this team is what, what you see here is kind of what you're going to get. I don't think there's, like, another version of them this year. So if yeah. the best we're seeing, I I don't know. I Their best is not even close to our best. And that's kind of how I feel. Because they barely, they they lost against, they lost against us when we weren't anywhere close to our best. And that was one of the best games they've played. Yeah. I don't know. Does anyone else have anything much to add? Or should we move on to Orlando now? I think we can move on to, uh, I think we can move on to Orlando. Um... (laughs) Um, it's decision day, I think, uh, <laughs> right this Sunday. Final final game yes. of the uh, regular yep. season. Of course, it's a supporters day is always kind of a wonderful game to attend because you know I, I really do think that they've done a pretty nice job of you know doing something cool for the fans. And the uh, perfect attendance uh, event after the game would have been really nice for me to attend, but unfortunately, I'm separated by half the con- uh, by the entire continental United States. And the Pacific Ocean now, so I won't be able to attend. <laughs> Makes me really sad. Yeah, I'm not really sure what. I'm sending you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not really sure what I'd be able to do with a piece of a gold, of the gold net anyway, and I'm pretty sure that I'd end up losing it. But I thought that was a pretty pretty cool thing to to get the support. Yeah, they, they, the you apparently net? you get to cut down a piece of the gold net if you uh, attended all the home games this year. So um, I was kind of like. Couldn't at least like give a shirt or like or a ball or like like a match ball. I, mean, like, I, I, I don't know what I would be able to do like uh, with a ball anyway. To be honest, like I'd probably just kind of be sitting there in my room, not really doing anything, just because like. But you know, like I'm True. also probably going to lose the gold net piece anyway. So, uh, R.I.P. <laughs> R.I.P. Me. So maybe. Maybe it was for the best that I wouldn't be able to attend this game. Uh, so if anyone wants a ticket, it's for free in 101. I'm using my podcast to plug, to do a capitalism, even though I'm not making any money. So <laughs> I guess uh, back to more serious pressing issues. Uh, you know, Orlando do come into this game. I mean, we kind of know the book in Orlando. It's been a terrible season down there in Central Florida. Um the Christ, the Christmaster has done it again. He sent another team to the dustbin of MLS. 
in very impressive fashion. Uh, for all the uh, moves that they made in the offseason, Orlando do come into this game with the worst defensive record in MLS by most traditional and advanced metrics. Uh, highest expected goals against average uh, in MLS with almost 2.5, which I think is quite astounding considering that you're generally going to be um, shooting in and around your expected goals average, maybe by like a per game. So, you know, I think it's, I mean, it's just an alarmingly awful season down there in Orlando that I'd be kind of shocked if uh, we don't at least put three goals in them at home. Uh, <clears throat> of course, with the Orlando game, uh, it also does mean that we will be welcoming back uh, former captain Sasha Question, who is, of course, a bit of a divisive figure in amongst the fan base. Uh, this part of the section of course, this part of this, this segment of the podcast, of course, will be a comment from our friend Jojo, who would like Sasha question to know that he can suck his dick from the back. So <laughs> I, I guess with this in mind, you know, guys, I think I'm going to kind of open uh, this segment by uh, facilitating discussion about Sasha question. Um, particularly it's, um, Kind of a kind of a weird one, I think, because people aren't really sure. There's been a lot of talk about whether or not people are going to be booing him or greeting him warmly. Because I mean, despite all the uh, all the annoyances about the 17 season, you know, this is a guy who did ha- play a major role in us being like a contender in the East in 15 and 16. Right, brought us a shield in 15, and was the assist leader in 16, and played. You know, I mean wasn't a guy who was going to be able to carry the team by himself, but he was still a very solid player who brought the best out of his teammates in terms of his play, I think. So I don't know, like what's the, what's the feeling in Sasha for you guys? Uh, Is it a boo or is it a cheer? I mean, for me, I really couldn't (laughs) give a shit about him. Like, let's just go smack Orlando five or six, hope for the mighty reds from toronto get a good result and onto the playoffs genuinely like i really i mean like what do you say he wants to play spoiler like i like pal i don't like i I feel like he's trying to make this game kind of like it's question coming back to his old team to kind of show the fans yeah with me we could have been x amount of points ahead of that like like, that's the kind of feeling i got from him when he said that but honestly let's just go fucking kicks Orlando's ass and onto the playoffs. Yeah. His comments were interesting. Cause like it, it I can't help but wonder that he, so he, he's kind of made us, he's kind of made some comments that made it seem like he was definitely not even comments. He's like, he's liked posts on, on Twitter about this, but basically he definitely feels like underappreciated uh, with his tenure here. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's like even more annoyed that, most of the talk going into this game for us has nothing to do with them. It's mostly centered around us potentially winning the shield. And then it's, okay, you're going to do this against your shitty Orlando. And, oh, by the way, Sasha plays them. And, oh, yeah, he's coming here. Like, the whole Sasha coming back thing definitely seems, like, kind of low in the list of, like, big topics involving this game and i'm sure that annoys him like that that kind of just highlights i think even more um for him at least just based on his comments how underappreciated he 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 felt when he was here me personally look 
I don't dislike them. I don't like them. I'm like as indifferent as you possibly fucking could. I respect him and I appreciate what he did for us, especially in 2015. That was an unbelievable year. And he had a fantastic 2016, 20 assists, 16 direct assists. You know, he was good during that run last year. Even when, even with him not playing well, I didn't resent him for that. Like, look, I felt he just didn't fit the team anymore. I thought he was a good player still. I just didn't think he fit. And that's not on him. That's not his fault. I'm not going to begrudge him. I'm not going to hate him for that. But where my, where my um, displeasure with him, where my, where I, when I started getting a little annoyed and upset, was kind of as the year went, it was more whining, more complaining. Um, and then the worst came during the Toronto series where the first fucking game – He's got the balls to say that in the home game of the playoffs, you figured out what needed to be done and what they and, and what you you figure out what needed to be done in ten minutes, and you decided not to do anything because. And I'm paraphrasing what he said. He said it was up to the other guys to figure it out. My man, you are literally the captain. That is like your job. Like your job as a captain is to. To 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 make sure that everyone is on the same page and relay what you guys are training and making sure that like it's more than just going up to the ref and saying hey don't give my guy a fucking yellow. There's so much more to being a captain than that. For him for him to say yeah in ten minutes of our home game I figured out what we needed to do but I just I chose not to tell the rest of my players and damn we actually lost. Immediately lost respect yeah. for him. Then the second leg comes and he gets a fucking red. Like, I don't even care who is at fault. Dude, have well, some fucking composure. Act like a goddamn, act like a fuck, act like an adult. I don't care what happened in there at this point. I'm sure it, it, it doesn't seem like it was his fault, but you could see him mouthing, mouthing off as they go into the tunnel. Like, at some point, like, there's, for me, there was Jitters, even if it wasn't really his fault, at that point, there's just so much shit. From like the game before and just over the course of last year, I don't even care. Like I just, I was over the guy, man. He, I understand his perspective that the team may not have, may not have gotten some huge difference maker, but like, bro, you were supposed to be the difference maker. You fucked up the penalties, the penalty kick in Montreal. You fucked up the penalty kick in Vancouver. Yep. Um, you decided to not tell the rest of the team what to do when you suppose you knew what needed to do. Uh, when you knew what needed to be done the game before, and then you get a red, um, I'm not going to boo him. I don't think anyone should boo him because again, he did do some good stuff, but I, I'm just going to eat breeze. I'm just going to eat a fucking empanada as, well, as he announced the game push, and pretend to even call I'm going to push back personally. Cause that, uh, tunnel fight was fucking hilarious. And it also resulted in Josie getting sent off, which is pretty excellent retribution. In my opinion, it was a very, it was a very <laughs> noble sacrifice. <laughs> At BMO, because uh, I mean, we played better without yes. Sasha anyway. Absolutely. <laughs> that playoff series, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> hey, to, I mean, if you look at it, without Sasha, we took the, yeah, we, we did we almost won. We that did series. when we played when you really ten on it. ten. But, but, Bradley we were, scored, and Bradley almost got a second if it weren't for a great save from Alex Bono. Like we could have. No, I, I, I get that, and and and, and you know, I even though I agree with that, like that. It's for me. It's it's not so much the result that that happened because he wasn't on the field. It's more kind of just a principle to matter. It's just a point. Like 
regardless of, of whether he was going to be the, regardless of whether the team was better with him off the field or not, for me is kind of separate from him just yet again showing yeah. he's a fucking idiot. You know, like he just, you know what I mean? Like, like, it, like it, it, you know, I feel like it doesn't matter. Like, I get, I get all that. So, yeah, we did play better, but he's a captain. You know what I mean? Like, I expect, I expect yeah. all the players to carry themselves with a certain level of, of, of dignity, but and 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 also understanding of what's at stake. That was the most important game of last year, and I expect every single player, especially the captain to step up and and do what you feel was the best thing to do for the team. Even if even if it technically wasn't the best thing, I want I want to see like my respect for a player is going to come from what they do relative to themselves and a team. And he showed me that he was super fucking selfish. He didn't understand the gravity of that game and the moment and and the fact that this fan base is still starving for an MLS Cup and he he made it more difficult by him getting that red. I'll tell you what, I'm willing to bet if Dax McCarty or Luis Robles is in Sasha Question's shoes at the time, I bet I'm willing to oh, bet yeah. money they don't get sent no, off. I, no, I think that's fair. Uh, <laughs> kind of hard to dispute that. Uh, that and that's kind of why I think, like, when it comes to booing him, so to say, like, I don't say to, say say to boo him because, like, I. I like don't like him personally. I can see like what he's accomplished at the club. It was very good accomplishments. But if we know that this is a guy who is a bit, you know, he 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 kind of does have a reputation. I think that he's developed over the past couple of years of being a bit of a mouthy, hothead, right? Like you talk about this lack of composure that mm-hmm. he showed in the captain role. That if he's going to be thrown off his game by a couple of boos from the opposition. And it gives us a psychological edge. From a completely cynical point of view, I'm for it. And that's why it kind of, you know, you kind of do want to gain every little bit of uh, an advantage that you can get. And if Sasha's thrown off his game by a couple boos, then by all means, you know, boo the shit out of him. Like, you know what? I'm. You, you got, you all finished up, or you want me? Right? Oh, no, you go ahead. No, no, yeah. Uh, no, I was going to say that I wouldn't be terribly shocked if uh, Mr. Question gets some bonehead red card for doing some stupid shit like he did against Toronto or against when he got that red card against Vancouver a couple of years back. I would not be 100% shocked yeah, if I saw like, something like that. Like, five minutes of the game, he tries to like put in a big tackle, like send a message, and immediately gets sent off by VAR. <laughs> I'm... I'm I'm very I don't know I, I've been thinking about this the last couple of days, but I'm really curious to see the dynamic between Gakko oh, and yeah. Question. No, I think that's fair actually. True. Like I feel like that's something that's like not yeah. even been talked about. But like he's gonna walk in there and he's gonna look at him like you're the reason why I'm not here. Like yep. They like the team's goal for all the shit that everyone talked about the trade. The 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 ultimate goal to trade was. Simply to get rid of, uh, to just simply to get rid of Kleshin to get Gaku because they were they were working on him since what I think it was like September yeah. October of the previous year. Like the season, the the regular season was still wrapping up, and they were actively looking to replace Kleshin with with Gaku. So like, there's an interesting dynamic there that I think has been kind of like under the radar. And what makes for me what makes it more interesting is Kleshin is is a hothead, and he doesn't hide it like he will he will 
he will just be a little bitch throughout the game without a problem. Gaku is a little like kind of like this innocent guy, but I will definitely rip your dick off yeah. if you piss me off kind of <laughs> kind of guy. So like it's going to be interesting to see these two guys going at it at some point because yeah. it's going to happen. There's no way it doesn't happen. Yeah, because um, unless, unless I, don't know, I was going to say like I mean for oh, all the up? smiles that Kaku throws, like he's still a boy from Ciudadela, which is like. One of the toughest yeah. neighborhoods in Buenos Aires. <laughs> like, this is a guy who's seen some shit, man. Like, he can fuck you up, like, on the down low. Like, yeah. And, uh... I mean, unless... I mean, unless James O'Connor is going to throw a massive curveball, just leave question back in Orlando. Gee, that'd be something. That'd wouldn't be it? my luck. I-, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays as... Well, it, I was just going to say, I wonder if he plays him, like, as a defensive mid... But then that would actually just make more confrontation between yeah, him because and, then uh, they'll be marked for each Gaku. other. I imagine. Do they? Yeah. Oh, I want that to happen. Actually, you, I, actually, you know what though? That wouldn't be the worst thing because imagine uh, Kleshin trying to man mark Kaku, kind of Kaku having Kleshin run around him dude, all over the pitch. Dude. You know, and Kleshin's not yeah. very pacey. You yeah. know what I mean? Dude, I if 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 listen, Kleshin. <laughs> I don't. I don't care what fucking happens in Canada. Stop the Toronto Atlanta game. Call it a draw and just fucking ship us the shield. I, I'm sure we were all thinking the same thing on the down low, right? Like, what would we do if Kaku Megs question in this game? And you know, like, if if I happen to be watching this and I saw this, like, I that would be the most no, demoralizing. I, I'm getting shit on the plane just to like hunt him down in Jersey City and like give him a handwritten card. Thanking him for doing that because, like, my God, like, that'd be the most savage thing I think this team has done this season, and it'd be like a perfect bow tie in how savage this team has generally been like this whole season. You know, like, yeah, yeah. It's it's funny because this team has like this vibe of like kind of like this innocent, you know, like friendly haha team, but like there's a lot of like low key dicks on this team, and oh my God, see now now this needs to happen if if if. If we win the shield with Al Kalkumeg in question, it's going to feel tainted a little bit. Like, if there's going to be an asterisk there, not because Atlanta blew it, but because Kaku, we finished, we didn't win it while Kaku fucking Megan clashed. Yeah, that would know. be that would be that would be a real disappointment for me. Uh, I think just to maybe wrap up the rest of the uh, team besides Sasha Question, not a lot of quality in this Orlando squad. Uh, who scored has Yoshimar Yotun as their best player. And, you know, I think I have to kind of agree with that. Like, the guy is on just a whole another like, level compared to the rest of his team. And you should really kind of search out, like, a better home because he deserves better than, like, rotting away on Orlando. Uh, of yeah. course, like, the problem with that is is that he's yeah. going to make a team other than Orlando so much better with his presence in midfield that he's kind of my key man to watch out for in this game. You know, it's not Sasha. It's not that fucking asshole Dominic Dwyer. It's Yoshi Mario Toon. You know, I think it's kind of the uh, it's kind of the danger man for me. I, I think uh, Yotun versus Kaku is going to be a very interesting duel because Yotun does play that sort of shuttling role. But interestingly enough, uh, Huskord also kind of has this um, thing that they do give up a lot of set pieces in very dangerous areas. And with how lethal we've been off of set pieces this season again, you know, I think it would be kind of also poetic in a way if we do score the winning goal off a set piece delivery, because whoever sent in the ball could just kind of turn to question and be like, you see that? That's how you send in set piece, buddy. 
So just an interesting little, an interesting little um, uh, uh, tidbit. So I was at the uh, Barcade event uh, last night, which was so fucking awesome. And Long was there and Davis and the uh, the vibe, the vibe with the team is definitely that they feel Orlando is a lot better than what the record shows. Right. And that like the best version of Orlando, you know, could potentially has definitely has a better chance than people think of getting result. So it was good to see them taking this game very. I mean, not that I would expect them not to take the game seriously, but they're definitely. I, I got a good. I got a positive vibe of them really doing their homework, where it's not going to be the kind of game where where people expected San Jose to be. For example, like San Jose are fucking useless. Like they, I they they have no business being an MLS yeah. this year. They're fucking garbage. And Orlando's kind of like not that much better than them. But the same way people kind of expected the team to maybe play down to San Jose, which, you know, this team, unfortunately, in the last couple of years has had a habit of doing. There's kind of been that concern of them doing with Orlando. I have no – that's not – my for me, just in the vibe I got from them, that's not a thing. Like th- these guys are definitely taking this game extremely serious, and I expect nothing yeah, but uh, an I guess I'll bring us bath. to uh, predictions for the game. Um I'm on a bit of a hot streak race recently. Uh, I'm going to toot my own horn here. I said that I did call the 1-0 win in Philadelphia, so <laughs> all of y'all can tell me how my ass tastes. But uh, <laughs> um, I'm feeling 3-1. I think we can put three goals in this Orlando defense, and one is going to come off a set piece. Uh, but I feel like, uh, you know, we can't really... I, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, fucking Dwyer does some shit and ends up like bagging like a really scrappy goal against this or something. But I'm feeling three, one would be a pretty good score line. I mean, I feel we kind of owe Orlando a bit of a beating down, especially after that bullshit loss early in the year. And uh, what was it? Tessa 15 yeah, when they came to Red Bull 16, Arena, beat us five, two. Kyle Aaron, yeah. Um, yeah, or six or whatever it was. I yeah. feel like we kind of owe them a bit of a beating. Uh, I'm I'm gonna just I'm gonna go two nil. I think I think we just get the job. Maybe hopefully one early, and then maybe one in and around halftime, and hopefully it's settled contest with forty five to yeah. like fifty like fiftieth minute. Twelve twelve <laughs> to zero. Anything less than that is an embarrassment. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something like like like, like, like. I want I want a scoreline that like people don't like a casual person would be confused if this was an, like a football game, baseball game, like, or soccer like forget game. a like, touchdown, man. Like uh, uh, three grand slams. Like how about that? Like yeah. <laughs> um, no, I I, I want to say it's going to be like it could potentially be a slaughter, like a five, you know, fucking maybe five, one type of game. But I have this feeling that like Orlando is just going to play fucking disgusting and shitty and dirty. And oh yeah. It's yeah. just going to, it's, I have this feeling that by the second half, it's going to be an ugly fucking game. Like a really, really, yeah. really ugly game that there's not going to be any semblance of like control just because of how gross it's going to be. Like Orlando's just going to fucking stoop down to like, you know, pitching dicks and shit. So I, I'm going to go to like – right. I'm going to go to a 2 nothing one. 
who, who, who's roughing this week anyway? Did anyone see who's our roughing this week? I'm on the, uh, I'm on the account right now. Let me see if I can pull yeah. it up. Uh, oh, yeah. Ismail Elfath. And, oh, boy. Well, that's that's going to be fun. Fuck, uh, no. <laughs> I mean... He's not Ted Uncle. What's funny is that Jair Marufo has the Atlanta-Toronto game. So that's going to be fucking lit. Yep. <laughs> I can tell you what. Like, <laughs> <laughs> if Jair Marufo decides to shield race in our favor, like I'm going to take back every bad thing I said about him for his officiating in the Orlando game earlier this year because my god the salt from atlanta would be Dude. like sherman came to town again and burned it all down like <laughs> that'd be so funny like i'm Dude, i'll get like a i'll get like a fucking temporary tattoo i would buy a, i would back. buy a red bull like marufo jersey and put 69 like marufo 69 on the back like <laughs> <laughs> Just cause, just cause. Oh my God. So I guess uh, without further ado, this brings us to uh, the questions. And before we get into the questions, uh, we're gonna have we have a special message actually from everyone's favorite emu out in New Mexico who would like me to read a very special message for you all today. Before we go into the questions, Mister Tolstoy telling us if you doubt this team, you can go fuck yourselves. Your time is over. And I'm inclined to agree with that. Um, I mean, guys, I mean, like, it's a chance to win a trophy this weekend. Like, can we get, like, a little bit excited, please? Like, uh, instead of, like, trying to be a wet blanket over, like, every time this team tries to, you know, like, comes within range of winning something. Like, I, I kind of have to agree with Tilstoy here. Like, that's a very good message to send out. Look, I... I... We, we've, we've talked about that whole fuck. We've talked about this a couple of times and, and I don't know, man, I, I, I understand. I, I don't agree, but I, I, I guess I understand where the mentality of, of, of some people are with this whole super negative shit, but like, it's such bullshit. Look, man, at this point of the season, I don't understand how anyone can still have, any level of fucking negativity. Like there's a difference between just being concerned and basically expecting us to lose and being surprised when we win. To me, that's fucking bullshit. The team is 21, seven losses and five draws. Like if you go into any game expecting this team to lose, you're fucking stupid. Seriously. Like if you want to be concerned, go for it. I get it. Like shit happens. Right, you always have to leave in the wiggle room for shit happening. But goddamn, have some fucking arrogance and have some goddamn <laughs> pride for once. Like, I, like seriously, man, Jesus fucking Christ! I couldn't like if you look at if you look at both us and Atlanta, and you look at the the, the feeling, the contrast of feelings between both fans, you would think that we're like in fucking last place, and Atlanta is like undefeated. You know, like have some fucking have some. Have some arrogance, man. Have some pride in this fucking team. What this team has achieved so far this year is nothing short of incredible. So, yeah, don't disagree. One have thing. a mentality that reflects this. That reflects their the the other uh, their play this year. Have a mentality that reflects 
their season. You know, there's been we've said this so many fucking times where oh wow, they had, this is a game that we lost last year or we've lost in the past. Oh yeah, this is a game where we dropped points. Oh yeah, this is a game where we totally like managed to you know managed to blow. How many times have we said that this year, man? Yeah, Chivas was bullshit. U.S. Open Cup was bullshit, but that was not down to the players. That was not down to the roster. That was down to the manager who was here before being a fucking moron oh, and overthinking everything. This team is fundamentally different in every fucking way. They've proved it in every possible that Symmetra moment. This team has proved that that is not something that exists. People need to start fucking um, acting like it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess without further ado, that brings us to the uh, two questions that we have in the mailbag <laughs> this week. Um, first of all, uh, at Mucho Trabajo, sending us a question about the back four this season. So how far should the front office go to keep this back four? And um, we, we did have news breaking this week that uh, negotiations with Tim Parker kind of hitting a bit of a stall. But, you know, I actually think that Parker's probably the most um, easily replaceable in terms of skill set of this back four. I don't know whether that's by internal replacement or by bringing in a guy from the outside. But we have generally have done a pretty good job of identifying uh, defensive talent in recent years. You know, I think, uh, first of all, you have to credit them for bringing in two quality fullbacks in Kamar and Amir. But then on top of that, identifying and developing Aaron Long through USL and pairing him with, I mean, say what you want about Paranel, Zubar, Zizo, or what if some of those, like, maybe a bit less uh, glamorous options there at center back. You know, when they've come to, I think, external, like, uh, bringing in talent from outside the organization, um, they've done a pretty good job on the center back part. I think, uh, you know, like Gideon Ba, when he was healthy, was a really good acquisition uh, when he was healthy. Unfortunately, apparently he's playing in uh, Kazakhstan now. So uh, shout out to Gideon Ba. Um, and uh, the other guy was, uh, you know, the trade for Tim Parker was a pretty solid one. I don't think we really ended up giving anything too valuable away. I mean, like I love Felipe and everything, but. You know, that was a pretty good acquisition. So when it comes to talking about how far the FO should go to replace, the, to like keep the back four, I think in terms of priority targets, I'd say try and hammer down long. If you can keep Amir, that's great, but I think Amir's on his way out. And we have like some options coming up at right back anyway that can step in within maybe six months to a year. And, you know, if Parker walks because uh, you're not going to be giving him the money that he wants... I think that's probably the most easily replaceable guy. So don't maybe sweat as much about walking down Tim Parker as you do Aaron Long, because Aaron Long is the glue that ties that whole, the whole defense together, and he should be the first priority target. I don't know. Like, what do you guys think? I I mean, we also still have Fidel. I feel like you know it's been ages since we've actually seen him. Let forget about playing on the bench. But if Parker does walk, which I don't think any of us obviously want, yeah. we don't have the worst backup in Fidel. I mean, I don't know what you guys think about Escobar, but I mean, when he's started, he yeah. he's looked I mean, good. Like, I'm, I'm a huge sorry. Yeah, I mean, so like I'm, I'm a huge perfect. Fidel fan, but we have to remember that he's still with us on loan, and the loan expires at the end of December, so it's entirely possible oh, that he walks true. as well. And of how little playing time that he's gotten, which I personally think is disgraceful. 
because this guy is a fucking stud in the making. Yeah. Um, Dude, with the amount of with the amount of competitions and games we've played this year, I cannot yeah. fucking believe. He's no, I, I have more. to agree with you on that one because you know, like when Fidel has played, you know, he's probably the second best ball playing center back in the squad behind Long, and it's very disappointing to me that he didn't like get more playing time. I mean, this is a guy who's so smooth on the ball that he plays defensive midfield for Panama. You know, like yeah, so. So I'm going to segue real quick with that uh, into my thoughts on this. So uh, what makes Long so unique, it's a fact that he is a converted defensive yeah. midfielder. He's not he's not some guy who just, you know, was brought up as a center back and he's been a center back and he's just a really good center back. The team converted him into a center back in his very first year with USL. And in that same year, he won, you know, his defender of the year. And I think he was one of the best center backs last year. And I think it was he's arguably, if not – the best, one of the best center backs in the league. I personally think he's the best one. Um, but I think that kind of plays into a conflict with Fidel because if you look at how they both play, there's definitely there's definitely a blend in in, in the the type of players they are. Partially because they're they're both you know look Fidel plays his defensive mid quite you know enough with with Panama where he's got similar skill sets. So what makes it tough is you can't really just, I mean, you could just put Fidel in there next to long, but they have, I think they're too similar in a lot of ways where you need someone more like Parker next to long, or if you have Fidel in there, then you have to have someone like Parker next to Fidel. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure what happens to Amir. I could totally see him leaving, but I could also see him staying. I had this weird feeling that like his window was in the summer. I think he'll eventually get sold, but I don't think it's going to happen. If it didn't happen in the summer, I don't think it's going to happen until maybe next summer or maybe the end of next year. So for me, the most important thing is throw whatever you have to throw at to long for him to stay. He, for me, is we have, we, 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 we signed another contract with, with Kamar. He's good. You got to lock down long, man. Yeah, it, give him a fucking damn contract. I'm totally okay with Parker. Parker is very good. He's a great center back. He's been amazing for us, but I feel like he is so easily replaceable just because he's not like exceptional at certain things. You know, long is better physically. You know, he's better in the air than, than, uh, than Parker somehow. I don't know. He's better physically than, than Parker's. He's better on the ball with possession and, and, and he's got better vision. He's better at positioning. He's better at emergency defending. I'm totally well, okay with with Parker walking. You can, he for me, he's not worth a tam contract. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Like, you could definitely replace Parker with someone for half the price and not use tam and 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 not. Well, I know, think like so uh, personally cash. that like I mean that's a um I wouldn't be so harsh to say that like he's like superbly like easily replaceable. You know, I mean like I I do think that there are some exemplary skills that he shows he, like. When it comes to winning defensive aerial duels, he's probably the best or one of the best on the team. And then on top of that, like his emergency defending, I, I think is actually comparable, if not better than Aaron Long's. You know, I think like those are the two sort of skills that we look at Tim Parker, but I kind of and say that they stand up. But, you know, I mean, I do kind of agree that, you know, a lot of his game is based on very just having very exemplary physical attributes. 
and that might make him easier to replace than, say, Aaron Long. But we also have to recognize that it's not going to be as easy, I think, as we might anticipate to bring in someone who can do those things in Tim Parker's caliber. But at the same time, we also recognize that we cannot overvalue such, you know, such a skill set, you know? Uh, oh, no, of course. No, no, definitely. I, I, what I mean, though, is like, I, I probably, it's probably unfair how I framed it. Like, I, I, don't, I don't, I don't want to do, I don't want it to, I probably shouldn't compare it. I probably shouldn't frame it as comparing directly against Long just because they're fundamentally different players. But like, for me, it's, it's okay. You have Long making like 75,000 and here you have Parker demanding yeah. a TAM contract, right? But again, for me, which one is harder to replace? It's going to be Long because to find a center back who's so good with the ball, who's so good uh, in possession, who's so good at distribution, who's so good at like cutting lanes on and, and starting, you know, that, that immediate trends, like he's just fundamentally better at a lot of really important things in the context of, of how this team plays. Parker is too, because like I said, he's great. Uh, he's great in emergency defending and stuff like that. But those skill sets, I feel, are easier to replace than finding a center back that can do the things that Long can do. So for me, I think it's more important to lock down Long since he, I think, I think he has more unique characteristics to a center back as opposed to Parker, who, although he's very, 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 very good, I don't want to say he's not, but his best skill sets, I feel, are easier to replace with someone else than Long's okay. best skill set. Yeah, that's probably I, how I guess I that's a bit more it. fair. Oh, no. Anyone else have anything they want to add to this? I mean, I think we have what? What are how much do we spend? Uh, what was what was our cap at? Like eight million sixty four thousand, whatever. And I think yeah. the caps cut I, at thirty, I, I right? Don't know the thirty million. That well, I think Fernando can give a bit more insight. Yeah. So the actual salary cap is it's only four million. Uh, next year, I think it goes up to uh, I want to say like just under four and a half, probably like four point two or four point three million. Where that eight million, the eight, you know, the team is at eight point six billion though. That four point six million difference is basically going to be, you know, TAM contracts, a DP contract, and all the other, you know, weird shit. You know, because yeah. remember the the yeah. the the um the guys in the supplemental and the reserve roster do not count against the cap, but that's the. You know, getting paid okay. so that's another chunk of money that gets thrown into you know that gets thrown into the overall yeah. 8.6 8. million total. yeah i mean I, I i agree i think as good as parker is i agree with you fernando that there's just something different like he when i look at long he just doesn't feel like a center back if yeah. you know what i mean you know um so yeah i i don't disagree especially with fidel who the hell knows what's going to happen with him in the off season. I agree. I think we got to really lock down long, obviously still try to get Parker to six. I think we can all agree how formidable, uh, yeah. he and uh, Parker and long have been this year, but yeah, I, I definitely agree. Definitely try to lock down. Uh, yeah, I think um, definitely I mean, try to lock down. Long you know, if we my, can. My, my whole stance on keeping long and Parker is that if it's not broken, don't try and like fuck with it too much. Right. So, it's kind of kind of my stance yeah, yeah. in that, but we also have to be like, like, like. Look, the last the, the last thing I'll say is this: I, I 
do what you have, do what you can at your very best to keep Parker, but don't do it at the detriment of yeah everywhere else. Like, don't give him so much money where now you hurt yourself in a cap space. You hurt yourself with your your allocation money where yeah, now it limits yeah. you. In I think other I spots. do. Yeah, I think that kind of sums up my position as well. Uh, so I guess we'll move on to uh, the final question we have in the mailbag, coming from our friends. In Elizabeth, New Jersey, and if you know the significance of that town, you know who sent this. Who, who sent in this question? Brisas Empanada is everyone's favorite friend, and always a friend of Metro Fan TV. Asking us who would win in a no rules battle royale to the death: chicken, beef, or veggie empanada? And uh, wow, this is like. Asking me to like choose between like uh, sit, choosing which of my favorite sons to like spare and which ones to die. So uh, this is <laughs> wow. Um, I gotta give this one a really good thought. Um, I am immediately gonna be biased towards the meat options. <laughs> um, shout out and to our vegetarian contingent on this podcast. Like I'm sorry, but it's true. Uh, so it comes down between chicken and beef for me. And as we know, uh, I mean, cows and chickens are not particularly aggressive animals now, are they? Like they had a whole cartoon dedicated towards them and they seem to coexist pretty well. So, uh, wow. Coming down between chicken and... Well, chickens what? can definitely be dicks, though. Chickens well, can cows can be, be jerks. Dicks. Like, cows can, like, kind of plow your ass, like, without you realizing. And Yeah. Yeah, seeing a cow, like, try to run off bulls is not a fun sight. Or should I say that bulls are male cows? And, you know, like, the fact that those two species are closely related is kind of terrifying. Because it means that they can fucking kick your ass if it comes down to it. So... Uh, I, I guess the equalizer here is that the animals are already dead when you're inside the empanada, but uh, <laughs> um, so I guess in terms of pure deliciousness, um, wow, I think it's a controversial choice for me. I think chicken kind of tastes it in terms of taste, and it's not because of my Popeye's addiction. Um, I think chicken empanada wins in this battle royale to the death. I'm not so sure. Oh no! I mean, I've never. I, I mean, I haven't had a Brisas empanada yet. So I mean, Whoa. based off this. Uh, yeah. So um, so based off this game, it looks like I'm gonna. I'm going to the game Sunday. It looks like based off of this question, I'm gonna have to make a yeah. quick visit to the Brisas <laughs> empanada stand at the game. Uh, so uh, I, I could definitely confirm I would not be on the veggie <laughs> side. So it'd be down definitely to beef or chicken for me. Yeah, I kind of see this as like. A heavyweight, middleweight, and like a lightweight, right? The veggie is the lightweight boxer. The chicken is the middleweight guy. And the beef is just like the big brawl, useless heavyweight. And middleweight's always going to win. So I'm going to go with the chicken. And I, although I will say that the, I, I think the beef tastes best. Mm. Tastes the best. So it depends. If if the question is centered around uh, uh, Empanada is actually becoming like self-aware and like growing arms and legs and actually fighting – then yeah. I'm gonna go with the chicken. Um, but if we're talking about if we're talking about eating actual food, yeah, it's kind of hard to dispute that. Um, I think what would be kind of harder if they made us choose between the three sauces, and that's where you're gonna really see some blood being shed Ooh, I think, because be I think the sauces they elevate the empanadas yeah. to 
like a whole other like level in my opinion uh so thanks for making us choose between the empanada fillings and not the sauces you guys because uh it could have turned ugly in here <laughs> it was a sauce battle uh just without further ado that does bring us to the close of this episode of metro of the metro fan tv weekly rundown uh i'd like to thank alex for riding shotgun with us this this evening this morning wherever you are in the world <laughs> yeah. No, th- <laughs> no. Thanks for ha- thanks for having me. Now uh, I've read uh, because of this conversation. I know what I'm eating uh, for dinner on Sunday at the arena. So I got got dinner and sorted. You can obviously add uh, this Sunday. episode That's to good. your resume to say that you're an esteemed guest on an international YouTube platform that operates in two countries. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I will. Absolutely. Uh, so I, I guess without further ado, absolutely, Metro I will. Fan TV saying, well, <laughs> they'll see you at Ripple Arena on Sunday. I'll be watching from afar in spirit, hoping we bring home banner number three and hopefully a fourth in December as well. But for now, it's Metro Fan TV saying peace and keep on rocking in the free world. Later. See ya. Good night, good morning, and good afternoon.